Masechet Yoma, Daf 82. Uh, we have a couple of very interesting and relevant topics. Uh, the first one is children. Do children have to fast? Um, are they allowed to fast? Do you have to make them fast? At what age? So that's very important and practical. And then the next Mishnah will be uh, the most, uh, the, 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 the question I get most often before every Yom Kippur, which is pregnant woman and fasting. Okay, so we begin with children, hatinokot, and me'anin otan. Children, you do not afflict them. Well, that's a good, that's a good law in general, not to torture children. But here it's talking specifically about be yomakipurim. Uh, so inui means, uh, refers to um, not, not eating. So according to this, one does not withhold food from children. Tinok doesn't necessarily mean a baby like it used does in modern Hebrew. It means uh, anyone under bar, bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. And so uh, there's a machloket whether if a child wants to fast, can they? And uh, generally when they're under nine, we do not even allow them to fast because it's not healthy. Um, other, others say they can. But in any case, we do not, we do not require that they fast. Aval. However, we do educate them. We train them one or two years before so that they will be accustomed to fulfilling mitzvot. Um, you don't want to all of a sudden when a girl is 12 or when a boy is 13 and they never fasted before, all of a sudden they have to fast. You want to, to train them and get, get them into it. Okay, so one or two years before what? The simple reading of the Mishnah is one or two years before their bat or bar mitzvah. And lechanech would mean either that they, they, train, they fast for a few hours, um, or maybe uh, that's what it sounds like. Um, and, but we'll see the definitions of all these words in the Gemara. Next. Question, why are you saying one or two years before? If you have to train them two years before, then of course you have to train them one year before. Why not just say two years, right? So it depends on the child. If it's a sickly or weak child, then only one year before, right? When a boy is uh, 11 and very weak, he might not be able to. So wait till he's 12 and then he can start training. Um, but if a child is healthy, then even two years before you can, um, which is really the Peshat, the Mishnah is saying, one or two years, assess, figure it out, right? See what the child is capable of doing. Okay, excellent. And next we're gonna see three opinions. These three opinions are actually only two different views about the schedule of the of children. So the first one is Amar Rav Huna. He's talking about a girl. Ben Shemone Shemone Uben Tesha Mechanechino Oto Leshaot. It says Oto, but it really was talking about a girl. So if a girl's when she's eight and nine years old, then we delay a few hours. Uh, skip breakfast. Right? If you're going to eat at a certain time, push it off, and she should start tra- training uh, a partial fast. When the girl is 10 or 11 years old, then she should do a full fast. She doesn't have to midoraita, but the mitzvah of chinuch of education is midrabanan. And therefore, as long, obviously, as long as she's healthy and she can do it, um, she should fast. When the girl is 12, then she has to fast the full day, and that would be midoraita. So in other words, there's two stages, eight and nine, partial fast, 10 and 11, full fast midrabanan, and then they're ready. Good, that's Rav Huna. Rav Nachman says the same thing, he agrees. He just says it about a boy. 
ורב נחמן אמר, בין תשע, בין עשר, מחנכים אותו לשעות. When a boy is, we push everything up one, nine or ten years old, he does a partial fast for a few hours. בין אחת עשרה, בין שתיים עשרה, משלימים מדרבנן. When he is eleven or tw- and, and twelve, he does a complete fast, even though he's only required מדרבנן, so it'll be more lenient if he can't do it. בין שלוש עשרה, משלימים מדאורייתא, בתינוק. And when the boy is thirteen years old, בר מצווה, then he's required מדאורייתא to fast. Okay, good. So that's Rabuna and Rab Nachman, who both have a two-stage process. We're going to see that according to them, when they read the Mishnah, that says mechanechin, one or two years before, they're understanding the word chinuch to mean a partial fast, right? Training wheels before you have a full fast. So it's one or two years before the Dirabanan fast. Um, we'll see that. Now, Rabbi Yochanan, he has a shorter uh, schedule. Rabbi Yochanan amad, hashlamad Rabbanan leka, that there's no requirement at all, midrabanan, to do a full fast. So the first time they're going to make a full fast is when they're 12 or 13, midoraita. So rather, what's the training one or two years before? Ben Ayaser, Ben Achat Esrem Echanichin Oto Lishaot, Ben Shetem Esrem Mashlemin Medeoraita. When, uh, when uh, uh, this is a girl, is 10 or 11, uh, then she will uh, wait a few hours, fast for a few hours, and when she's 12, then she'll do a full one. So there's no stage two, there's only stage one. He's a bit more lenient about it. We skipped the Rabbanan thing. Skip the, skip the full fast midrabanan. There's no such thing as a, a, a requiring a full fast midrabanan. I mean, if she wants to, and you know, she, she's excited about it, sometimes kids wanna show that they can do it. Um, you know, by, if they're, by, by that age, we would let them, but there's no requirement, even, not even midrabanan. Okay, good. So that's the two views. And now we're gonna ask a question on one side and then a question on the other side. First, a challenge to Rabbi Yochanan. Tenan from our Mishnah. התינוקות אין מעניין אותן ביום הכיפורים, אבל מכין אותן לפני שנה ולפני שנתיים. So children, we don't make them fast, but we train them one or two years before. So before what? בשלמה לרב הונא ורב נחמן, לפני שנה ולפני שנתיים, לפני שנה לדבריהן. So we can understand the Mishnah according to רב הונא ורב נחמן, means one or two years they do a partial fast, before they do a complete fast, now the truth is that it's adding words into the Mishnah, which doesn't even say that. Um, but okay, we can fit the Mishnah, we can fit their view into the Mishnah by assuming that one or two years of partial fast means one or two years before, they, uh, before they're nine or 10 years old, uh, before they're 10 years old uh, or 11 years old. Okay, but it's a challenge to Rabbi Yochanan because he doesn't have a stage two. But what does it mean one or two years before what? And Rabbi Yochanan says, I have a simple answer. When Mishnah says, start training them one or two years before, it means one or two years before they become an adult. One or two years before bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah, which is actually the simple reading of the Mishnah. So really, this was hardly ever really a question to Rabbi Yochanan. It's just that we were, or, you know, already assumed the, the reading of the first two sages. So we now are reminded that Rabbi Yochanan is actually the, the peshat of the Mishnah. And all right, so anyway, both sides can understand it. Now we bring a, a b'raita to challenge the other two views, the, two, the view of the two rabbis. Tashema. 
דתנד הבא בן שמואל, תינוקות אין מענין אותן ביום הכיפורים, אבל מכנכין אותן שנה או שתיים סמוך לפרקן. And this ברייתא, it's very similar to the משנה, except that it adds, we don't afflict them, um, but we train them one or two years before they become an adult. Well, that's actually exactly the Rabbi Yochanan's interpretation, the one or two years before adulthood. I think we, the reason we went through the exercise before is to actually set up this question against the two rabbis. So according to this, training, which we understand to mean partial fast, is one or two years before bad and bat mitzvah. That's it, only one stage. And there's no such thing as a full fast midrabanan. So we say, Bishlamar Rabbi Yochanan, Nicha, how are they going to explain this baraita? There's only one or two years before, not three and four years. And they can answer, you know what? The word chinuch can, has two meanings. It can mean a full fast. It could also mean a partial fast. In this baraita, it means one or two years before they become an adult, they are trained with a full fast midrabanan. And that's what it means here. Even though in the Mishnah, it means one and two years before the Dirabanan fast, they do a partial fast. Uh, so it can have both meanings. We question this definition. Does training ever mean a full fast? See, because you're not really training. If you're fully fasting, then why would you call that training? Right? You're not, you're not, you know, training means that, you know, I'm going to run a full marathon. You know what? I'll train with a half marathon. If, you, if you're already doing a full marathon, then you're doing it. We have a Braita that explains if a person usually would eat in the second hour of the day, then push off the breakfast till the third hour. If usually it's in the third, push it off. Let that child feel hungry a little and know that he, they can handle it and it'll pass. And that would be training. So doesn't that what it means and not a full fast? Yes, in fact, uh, that is def one definition of training, but there's another definition which is, means also a full fast. Um, it's not the same, but it's only midrabanan, and uh, you can be more lenient if you're not feeling good, then uh, that is good training to, to do it at Mithdoraita, and the strictures are much higher. Okay, good. So that's the uh, end of that discussion. Shulchan Aruch says that for both a boy and a girl, they should start doing a full fast when they are 11 years old. Uh, and that's the same. So which means for a girl, it'll only be one year of training and for a boy, two years. Uh, so um, that is Shulchan Aruch. All this, of course, only applies to Yom Kippur because it's Midoraita. All other fasts of the year are Drabanan, and there is no requirement of training. Um, they can just start doing it once they are Bar or Bar Mitzvah. All right, and now to the next Mishnah. If a pregnant woman smells food and she has a craving for it, you know, pickles, ice cream, anything, whatever it is, we feed it to her until she feels better, until she recovers. Um, because we assume she's, uh, she's pregnant, this could be a life-threatening situation to her or to the, or to the fetus. And so she knows, she knows how she's feeling. She knows if she needs something uh, to feel better. Good. Other people who feel sick, um, we ask an expert, go ask a doctor, does this person need to eat? Uh, for, uh, you know, is this, a, uh, is this an emergency? And we follow their advice. If there's no doctor to ask, 
then ask the person themselves, right? If a person feels like I need to eat, I can't make it, then we feed them how much until they say it's enough. Uh, so we, we follow a person's own, uh, own uh, uh, body understanding. Good. That's the Mishnah. Now, tenor banan. Now we're talking about not on Yom Kippur. All year round, we're very sensitive to the needs of a pregnant woman. And she smells um, consecrated meat that only a Kohen can eat. And it's not permitted for anyone else to eat it. Or, 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 or a pig. And she says, oh, I really, I really want to have that. We try not to, uh, uh, to feed it to her. So we just take a, a reed uh, that looks like this. This is maybe used as a spindle. We take a little stick and we dip it in the dish and we give it to her. So it's just, uh, she has just a, a mere taste of it. And maybe that'll be enough, right? It's just psychological. Okay. If her mind comes down, then good. Okay, we got away with just a little. But if she says, no, no, I need more, we take some of the gravy and we feed her th- from, from some of the gravy. If she's happy with that, fine. If not, she says, no, no, I really need to eat this, this pig. Uh, otherwise, I won't feel well. Then we even give her to, to, to eat from the fat itself, the meat itself. Because there's only the three big ones uh, that, um, that one has to die for, which is idolatry, um, illicit rela- sexual relationships, and bloodshed. But for anything else, like eating pig, eating non-kosher, eating on Yom Kippur, those are not one of the big three. So if it's a life-threatening emergency, and for pregnant women, we're very sensitive that um, it could be life-threatening. Um, so those, those people, we try not to, we minimize it, but if they, in the end they have to eat, then they have to eat. Okay, this phrase, by the way, as a tangent, that we uh, should feed them the gravy and not the meat itself is quoted by Harambam. And he's dealing with the case that happened in his community in Egypt where there was a man that was living with a non-Jewish woman. And uh, so everybody said he, she should, they should separate. And Rambam realized that the guy's not going to separate. And they were living in a society where the Betin did, could not force him to do so. So he said, you know what? We should convert her. Now, really, there's a Mishnah that says, if someone's already living together with a non-Jewish woman, you're not allowed to convert them. It's an insincere conversion. You can't do it. But Rambam says, better that the person should have gravy and not meat. Better to violate the... Uh, more lenient the Rabbanan law of doing a conversion, even though we know it was it's, it's only for marriage, that's better than the person continuing to live with a non-Jew. And so he permitted, um, against the, what the community thought, he permitted that conversion. So that's uh, an application. Here it means literally gravy and meat, but it's an application to other cases also where there's um, more stringent and less stringent uh, problem that if, there, if, if possible, you should, um, if one has to be violated, then better to direct it to the less problematic uh, option. Okay, good. So now that we mentioned uh, in general, the three big uh, sins that one even has to give up his life for, uh, we ask uh, sources for them. How do you know that one has to give up his life rather than worship idolatry? In the second paragraph of Shema, you have to love God. Why does it say both? How come 
uh, your first paragraph of Shema, sorry. Um, how come you have to say, but with all of your soul, meaning all of your life, and all of your might, which the rabbis understand to mean money. And if it says money, why do you have to say, why do you have to say both of these? Just take one of them, whichever one is the, is the, 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 the harder one to do. And you'll know, of course, the easier one to do. So the answer is, Some people, their body, meaning their life, is more beloved to them than their money. Most people, right? Most people care about themselves more than their money. So therefore it says, you have to worship God and with all of your life. Um, worship God meaning, and not idolatry. So that means even if you have to give up your life, um, you have to serve God and not idolatry. That's the source that uh, for uh, Avodah Zarah um, overrides Pikuach Nefesh. And the other, uh, we're just filling out the, the um, derasha. Sometimes you have a person whose money is more beloved to them than their life. Uh, and that, that's why it says, even even, even if it's going to cost you money, you still can't worship idolatry. You still have to use it to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, are there really people whose uh, money is, is more important to them than their lives? Well, there are, you know, when the stock market crashes and people jumped out the window, right? They're, 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 uh, they were so attached to the money, they couldn't imagine living without it. Um, okay, so therefore it says both. Good, now we have a derivation for one of them that the Pasuk and Shema, uh, worshiping one God and not any others, requires full devotion, even of one's life. Now, how about the other two? Giloi adayot u'shfichut amim, minalan, detanya, rebi omer, ki kasher yakum ish al re'ayahu, ur sacho nefesh ken hadabad hazeh. Okay, this is talking about a man who rapes a betrothed woman. We actually mentioned this halacha happens to be yesterday. And the daf yesterday. So the pasuk says some, some, something very interesting that the, um, the the woman who is raped gets no punishment. Why? Because it's like the victim of a murder, right? If A kills B, B didn't do anything wrong. They they were killed, right? They didn't they didn't want to die. So therefore, if a man rapes a rapes a, 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 a betrothed woman, you don't she doesn't get any punishment. Now nowadays, no one would even think that they would get a punishment. But this was a huge revolution in the times of the Torah. People generally blame the victim, right? Oh, she's uh, she's defiled now, even though even though she was forced, even though she was raped, we consider her, oh, you know, she participated uh, in this, even if it's uh, out in the field and she was screaming. So therefore the Torah says, no, you have to understand people's mindsets. It makes a difference if they're in the city, if they're in the field, was it coerced? And if it was, she's just the victim. She doesn't get any punishment. Only the man who raped her gets the punishment. Okay, so this was a huge revelation in times of the Torah, but uh, by times of the rabbis, thankfully, this was uh, understood. So the, uh, so the Gemara asks, what, What's the comparison? What are we learning from murder to the rape of the, of the betrothed woman? Right? Why is it comparing them? The, by the way, this pasuk is, is fascinating in another way, which is it's an explicit comparison between two laws. A lot of times the rabbis make this one here is next to that one. But here the Torah itself says, this law is like that law. So good, we have good reason to compare them and derive something from the other. They're so, both victims. They're both victims. They're both, it's the they're same. both victims, exactly, right. as we're learning. And so they don't get punished. Obviously, in the case of murder, the person who was killed is dead. So you're not going right, um, to call them a suicide or anything. Um, so, but anyway, that's, that's the point. It's, it's, it's um, as much as a victim as, uh, as that. 
Okay, Ella, Hareze, Bala Lamed, Vinimsa, Lamed. So now the rabbi is going to say, you know what? These two, the Torah compares these two, and we can compare them in both directions. Even though we're learning something from murder to Narama Orasa, we can also learn something the opposite way uh, backwards. And here's how it works. Just like if you see um, a man who's raping a betrothed woman and you can save her with his life, you're allowed to kill the man um, in order to save her as permitted. So too, if you see A going to kill B, you can kill A to save B's life. So that's what we learn in that direction. And in the other direction, just like if someone tells you, you, I want you to go commit murder or else I'll kill you. You can't do it. You can't kill someone else. You have to give up your own life before murdering someone else. That we know. We'll see in a minute how we know that. But that's the source. And we're going to derive also. If someone says, um, I want you to go and do it, this uh, illicit sexual relations, or else I'll kill you. You can't do it. You have to say, sorry, you have to kill me. I will not violate this law. So murder, therefore, we learn from murder to the case of um, a betrothed woman, the same law. Good. So that's how we know in the case of Narama Orasa and all Giloy Adayot in general. But to step back, how do we know that murder itself you have to give up your life before you kill someone else. Maybe not. Maybe I don't want to die. I should go kill that person. Sivarayhi, uh, that you don't need a source for. It's logical. Tahu Here's a story. Dava. A person came to Dava and said, Amarle, Amarli Mari Durae. He said, so the the person in charge, the mayor of my village, came and came and said to me. I want you to go and kill Peloni, Mr. So-and-so. If you don't do it, I'm going to kill you. And he came to the verse, what should I do? Sorry, I don't think this is the answer he wanted. So you have to be killed and you cannot commit murder. Why? Who said that your blood is redder than his blood? Maybe his red, his blood is redder. In other words, you don't look at you know he's a doctor. You're a you know you're a judge. You don't look at a, a person what value they are. Who who's who's to judge who has more value? Than another. Everybody is of infinite value. Everybody's blood is red. And therefore, you cannot take someone else's life to save your own life. And so that's how we know that murder, um, you have to be killed rather than commit murder. And from there, we derive that um, illicit sexual relations. Also, one has to die before committing such a crime. All right, good. So that's how that was a tangent regarding um, other cases where um, a pregnant woman um, needs to eat something not kosher, which is permitted uh, in a case if, if it's life threatening. Now, two stories. There was a certain pregnant woman and she smelled some food that uh, wasn't kosher and she craved it. They came to the Biudanasi and go and whisper to say, Listen, today's Yom Kippur, right? You know, you don't want to eat, do you? So they whispered to her and she thought about it. She says, okay, you're right. And she felt better. 
Ketan Yedaticha. We quote them the Pasuk that said about Yirmiya, even before I formed you, before you were born, in, when you're in the womb, I knew that you were going to be a very a special kid. So the whispering seems to be, you're not speaking just to the mother, you're speaking to the fetus. This is, fetus, listen, Yom Kippur, can, calm down, right? And so calm down. So sure enough, that fetus, Nefak Minad, Biohanan, Biohanan, the great, greatest sage of, of, the, of the Tamud in Edis Israel, he was born. So you see, there was something special about that baby, even before he was very pious. Good. Now, now the opposite story. Another pregnant woman, and she smelled something. Whisper to her, today's Yom Kippur, maybe the fetus will, will calm down, but it didn't accept the whisper. So, no, no, I still want, I still want to eat. So about that, about that baby, we said, wicked are evil, even from the womb. Right? This baby would, is insistent on violating Yom Kippur. And uh, she gave birth to a man named Shabbatai, who hoarded fruit. When it was a famine, he would hoard the fruit, store it, and then uh, when people got hungry, he, uh, price, he did some price gouging and inflated the price like Pado did to his people. And so this, uh, I mean, he didn't technically steal, but uh, he took advantage of people's uh, adversity uh, to make money. So therefore, um, this is, the stories are in, a, in some tension to the halacha, because the halacha said, it's allowed, you know, you're allowed to eat. If she, if she feels like she needs to eat, this is permitted. We don't want to put her in any danger. And yet it's saying, okay, it's allowed, but there's something about this baby. We'll have to see how they grow up. Okay, very interesting. Now, um, a, a sick child. I'm going to go a little further just to finish off the, the topic. Um, uh, so, uh, it's a sick person, not a sick child. A sick person, right. Any, any, anybody sick, we ask the doctor. But it says bikiin. Plural, doctors. So what do you need? A whole panel of doctors? How many? So before we get to how many, Rabbi uh, Anai gives a principle. Let's say you have a difference of opinion. The sick person says, I need to eat. The doctor says, you're okay. You can make it. We listen to the sick person, even against the doctor. A person, person knows the bitterness of his soul. Sometimes you have a feeling, right? The doctor is not, doesn't know what you're experiencing inside. And you just feel like, if I don't eat, I'm not going to make it. It's not going to be good. So therefore, it's allowed. Now, isn't that obvious? Well, you might have thought, maybe a doctor, he's an expert. He knows better than the person. No, we learned from this pasuk, a person knows himself the best. Good. How about the opposite case? Doctor says you better eat. But the person says, I'm fine. I'm feeling good. I don't want to eat. We also listen to the Doctor, in other words, we're lenient both ways. Why? Because maybe the person is confused. The person who's sick, he doesn't know, he can't, he's, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't have, his judgment is not fully there, and he thinks he's okay. Uh, he wants to be, you know, super pious, but he's putting himself in danger. So you got to listen to the doctor. Don't let, let people put themselves in danger. All right, so good. Either way, he sh they should eat. Now, Tenan, Mishnah said, we follow experts, which sounds like two doctors or more. From there, it would seem to me that we follow the doctors and not himself. 
two doctors, but not one. See, so now according to this, um, we just raised the level. You need two doctors to say you can eat and we don't trust one doctor and we don't trust the person himself. This is against everything that we just said in the name of Rabbi Yanai. So we, uh, and, but that's what it sounds like from the Mishnah, which is Biki'in. So how are we going to explain this? So we say, When do you need Biki'in, plural of two doctors? It's when the person himself said, I don't need to eat. Okay. Well, in that case, why don't we feed him according to one person? Because you said a doctor against him, he should eat. So why would you ever need two? Oh, so that biki'in, plural, in the Mishnah, must be talking about a case where the person himself says, I don't need to eat. And another a doctor says, he doesn't need to eat. Now you have two. In that case, to override the person and himself, if you have two other doctors that said to eat, then you eat. That's when you need a, a, panel, of, a panel of two. But in a, or otherwise, if you don't have that, then even one person or even himself, he can eat. So we're explaining when, you know, when there's a, when there's a, a controversy between multiple opinions. Okay, now we ask, Peshita, isn't that obvious? If you're not sure, some people say yes, some people say no, it's life training. So we're going to be lenient. Why do you have to even mention this case? Or maybe it's talking about a case where there's two experts and himself. He says, I don't have to eat. Two doctors said he doesn't have to eat. And on the other hand, you have two people that said, two doctors said, you, you must eat. Now, in general, we have a rule regarding testimony that two is like 100, right? If two people said this guy uh, committed murder, even if 100 say no, that's equivalent. Two is maximum uh, uh, testimony. 100 is like two. That's regarding testimony, if this person committed a crime or not. But if it's talking about a matter of an assessment, right? How much is something worth? Or is this person sick enough that he needs to eat? How much does he need? And that, you go by the majority. Now, that rule of majority regarding assessments, that's regarding monetary things. How much is this house worth? But in this case, because it's nefashot, we're not going to go by the majority, we're going to go by the two doctors. So in other words, we need all the Mishnah to say this whole case, because otherwise I would have thought, listen, there's two doctors and the guy himself, that's the majority, it's a matter of assessment, I would go by the majority, normally. But uh, if it was a monetary case, but since it's affect nefashot, we'll even go by the two doctors that say to eat rather than the three. Okay, so we're make com complicating the reading of the Mishnah, but by doing that, we're bringing in lots of other cases. Sometimes they're, you know, in fact, you have uh, someone who's sick and there's different opinions about from the doctors about it. So we can follow these guidelines. Now we're going to fit all that back into the Mishnah. The Sefa said, if there's no doctors, then he decides himself and he can, he says, if I need to eat, he eats. So since it says that in the Sefa, there must be in the Resha, he says, I do need to eat. If the Sefa said, said he doesn't need to eat, must be in the beginning, he said, you need to eat. And you just interpreted the Resha as meaning that he said he didn't need to eat. So it doesn't make sense. You know what? There must be a missing clause in the Mishnah. We have to read it 
as if there's a missing clause that says in the Resha, when is that true that you follow the Biki'in, the Malo Sarich Ani? That's when he says he doesn't need. Aval, Amar Sarich Ani, Encham Biki'in, Tere, if he, said, if he says, I need to eat, and there's no plural doctors, but even if there's one doctor that says not to, we, we feed him. So that's how we can fit it in. All right, so that's all that opinion. Now, the last opinion. Says if a person says I need to eat, even if there's a hundred doctors that said he's fine, he doesn't need to eat. We listen to the person himself because the pasuk Mishle person knows his own bitterness, right? This is against the opinion that we just mentioned that um, that uh, if there's multiple doctors and we don't listen to him, Mordechai says no, we always listen to him. Now, how are we going to fit that into the Mishnah? Tenan, im en sham If there are no other doctors, then we feed him according to if he's, when he says he needs to eat. Why do we follow his own opinion? Because he said, because there are no uh, doctors. But if there are multiple doctors, then we don't feed him. That's against more How are you going to fit that? How are you going to understand the Mishnah? Here's what he says. When is the law of the Mishnah true that you follow doctors? That's the only way he said, I, I, I don't need to eat. Then you follow the doctors. But if he says, I need to eat, um, then um, there is no, no experts are comparable to his, it's as if there are no experts. We don't care about any experts. All the doctors in the world can say whatever they want. If he says he needs to eat, then we feed him. A person knows himself. And that is the final opinion here um, before the next Mishnah. So you see that the Gemara is going through a lot of different possibilities um, and weighing experts versus himself. Um, but in general, you have to, you know, you have to do what makes sense. You have to use uh, both experts, but also we have to be um, extra mahmir when it comes to sefek nefashot. Uh, we never want a person to put themselves in mortal danger for any law, except for the big three. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.